Damn it. Chris, can you hear me? Chris. We're here. Good day to you, sir. Good day to you. How are we doing? I think we're on the air. Uh, technical difficulties as usual when I try and do this in a remote location, but we're live. Welcome to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa. Today we're going to have a good, a real good guest. Chris Wassel is joining us. We're going to look at all of the scenarios that are going to lead into the Atlantic Division playoffs, but we're going to kick off talking about the Vegas Golden Knights and San Jose Sharks first round matchup series. So after a rough beginning, we'll be right back. All right, hockey fans, thank you once again for joining us on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. As usual, I am Mark Warner, joined with Chris Lisa. And since we last spoke, the Vegas Golden Knights have qualified for the playoffs in the third position in the Pacific, facing off against the San Jose Sharks in the first round. Chris, good day to you, sir. Good day to you. Good day to you. How are we, uh, how, how are we doing out there on the, west, on the left coast? Well, I'm actually coming live from the National Broadcasters Convention at the Las Vegas Convention Center, where I got called into work this Saturday. But we're here. We're all right. It's going pretty good. All right. Well, why don't we kick off uh, this talking about the Vegas Golden Knights, San Jose, San Jose Sharks, if I can speak series. Why don't you uh, break it down from going into the series overview from a Vegas perspective, and then when you're done, I'll I'll do it from a Sharks perspective, and then we'll uh, volley it back and forth. Well, here's 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 one thing that stands out really for both teams. Neither team is going into the playoffs as what you would call a hot streak. <laughs> both teams appear to be limping into the playoffs, as it were, um, for a number of different reasons. Um, uh, everyone knows Mark Andre Fleury has been out for a couple weeks. He came back against Arizona, looked pretty, looked pretty good. Um, Coach Gallant's been resting players and kind of changing lines. Uh, Max Pacioretty had had a injury, lower body. Um, so there's some debate about whether Mark Andre was really, really injured, or if it mattered, he would have been playing. And maybe he just needed a little rest after a heavy workload in the season. Um, and San Jose, um, they're dealing with some injury issues themselves. Carlson's been out for a while. Pavelski missed some time. Um, so, so it's hard to say what side of the ledger the momentum tips to with both teams uh, not going into the playoffs on too much of a hot streak, so <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's for sure. So, in terms of the Sharks, uh, got a got a few notes here. So, it's been a very up and down year for them. It's actually it's been a 
season of streaks, if you will. Uh, uh, it seems Same like they finally get, yeah. Well, more, my, believe it or not, much more so with the Sharks. Uh, it felt like they finally got it together heading around the All-Star break. January, between January 22nd and March 12th, the, the, the Sharks went on a 15-3-1 run. But since then, as you alluded to, they're 2-8-1. And, and it's interesting, too, when you look at, break down the Sharks this year. In past years, what has been the key question, you know, for the Sharks? We say... You know, are they going to be able to score or not? Uh, you know, that's something that, that jumps out. Well, that hasn't been the problem this year. They, they have the third-best offense, uh, 3.51 goals against per game, uh, the sixth-best power play, which Luis in the last year or so has been a bit of a bugaboo. But what's killed this team, which has been its kind of uh, its home, uh, hallmark, is keeping the puck out of the net. And they're 21st yeah, sure. in the league. Uh, in terms of uh, goals against this year, 3.16. And that is the worst of all the teams that made the playoffs uh, this year. So, you know, something to consider. Um, again, you know, you had a breakout season from Timo Meyer. Uh, you you had, uh, you know, a bunch of, you know, uh, other guys. Obviously, you have Brett Burns, you have, uh, Cordier. You know, so it hasn't been it ha- that hasn't been a problem. Just bear with me for a second. That hasn't been a problem for the Sharks this year. So you know, it's been a it's been a different kind of year for the Sharks. You know, Martin Jones has not been that great. Um, you know, the, again, the team in front of him, I'm sure, is is part of that is part of that equation. Uh, but he hasn't been that great this year. He has a, under a nine, uh, nine, 90% save percentage. So, um, yeah, the question yeah, is, sure. can the Sharks keep it? One thing about Martin Jones, he's always, since he's been up there, I mean, he's led the Sharks to the Stanley Cup Finals and has usually been counted on to be, you know, a top-tier goalie in the league. And this year, for whatever reason, um, he just hasn't been playing up to what we were used to seeing from Martin Jones. And another thing, it, it seems like the Golden Knights specifically um, are in Martin Jones's head. There's last year. Last year they pretty much dominated them in the regular season when they got to the, the second round of the playoffs. Um, Martin Jones was pulled in two of the games, and this year they've lit up Martin Jones for a sixth spot, and it. it seems like maybe specifically the Golden Knights are in Martin Jones's head and to a to a larger degree they might be in the entire San Jose Sharks team we saw um about a week ago when the Golden Knights and the Sharks matched up the the Sharks historically when they get down um let's say they let's say they go dirty tricks um and and we saw a lot of that in that game that the Sharks were able to win that game one of their few wins coming down the stretch um, but it seems like the Golden Knights team themselves are in the Sharks' heads. I don't know. Would you, yeah, the you other get thing that feeling? Well, I, you would know that better than me uh, being out there, but, um, it, you know, another thing to keep in mind is Eric Carlson, which was obviously the big off-season move for them, you know, it took him a while to kind of get going, and then he got, and then he got, and then he did get going, but he's also been injured a lot this year. He's only played in 52 games. Now, he said he's ready to roll. 
He assured everyone during the week that if the playoffs were to have begin this week, you'd be ready to go. So, um, you know, obviously that's a wild card. That's a different dynamic that the Sharks haven't had in previous playoffs. Um, so, you know, I'm not sure what we're going to get with the, with the Sharks. They have to obviously get do better in terms of keeping the puck out of the net. They're much more, they're more explosive from a Knights perspective. You got to stay out of the box. You got to limit the power play chances uh, for the Sharks. But um, you know, like I said, I, this is a very, this is going to be a very competitive series. These teams, even though it's only the Knights' uh, second year in the league, they may. Developed a heck of a rivalry. This is already the second playoff series uh, between the two franchises. Yeah, I'm sure, and everyone wants to put the Kings and the, the Knights into the rivalry basket. I, I would say that that for sure, there's much more bad blood between the Sharks and the Knights than the the Kings and the Knights. And you mentioned um, San Jose's uh, hot streak there at the, around the trade deadline. Well, since the Knights acquired. Mark Stone at the deadlines. They they went on a ten and one run, but then they went on a five game losing streak that coincides with Mark Andre Fleury sitting, of course. Um, curiously, they had Subban play two sets of back to backs in that in that stretch. Um, I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but they they went to a five game losing streak. And then they had a nice win against Edmonton and then against Arizona. Arizona, obviously the much hungrier team playing for their playoff lives, really dominated play and took it to them. But Marc-Andre Fleury looked okay. <laughs> All things being equal, if you want to get to kind of picking sides or whatever, um, I, I think if the Knights have their full complement of players and they can get on a roll – as they did after acquiring Mark Stone. I think this, the scales tip towards the Golden Knights in the series. If Flurry's healthy and he's on top of his game, the goaltending edge goes to Vegas for sure. Uh, Vegas is top six since Mark Stone has been acquired. It's settled in um, the first line, if you will, the former first line, however you want to look at it. Um, the Carlson line has come alive. Really sticked after Riley Smith. He, he had a, a great stretch from the trade deadline, really up to now. And that that Stasny line seems, seems to take pressure off of that first line to where they're a little bit more free and a little bit more loose, and they're playing against maybe the second-tier defense some, some nights. So they're able to get up the ice and get their four-check going, which that, that line needs to do to be creative. So I think – that top six edge, if everybody's healthy, also goes to the Golden Knights. Um, defensively, the Knights are about where they were last year. Um, that maybe a tenth of a goal more per game, eighth, ninth in the league. Just about the same thing. So the defensively and the goals against, uh, that tips towards the Golden Knights. Go. One thing I don't like, though, is when you're on a bit of a run like that and coaches, and I'm not knocking Coach Blonder or anything, but when you're when you're on a run and, and you have a chance to go into the playoffs with some momentum, it's it's disappointing to be resting players and juggling lines. Now if guys are banged up and they need to sit for a couple games to get healthy, I understand that. But I love going into the playoffs with momentum, and it's one thing neither of these two teams is doing. So that part of it's a toss-up, but I would have to 
I would have to give the edge in that series to the Golden Knights. Yeah, one thing I would point out that Peter DeBoer is going to have well, what he can hope he can do, provided the health of both Burns and Carlson, is I'm sure, you know, in certain games of the series, he would love to play both those guys, you know, 30 minutes a game, which is not unusual sure. from the top defensemen, you know, in the playoffs. So, you know, whether or not Carlson's going to be able to do that in this series coming back from injury, um, you know, uh, we know, you know, obviously we'll have to wait and see on that one. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the Knights are going to attack them. They got three, you know, they got two top lines, and then you got Cody Eakin and Tuck on the third line. They got a good, good, uh, Bottom six uh, in terms of the uh, last pairing of their four lines, they're deep, but so are the so are the Sharks. So, uh, what I would say about you know these teams are pretty evenly matched, and what I would say about this year for both of them, a little bit too up and down for their liking. You know the Knights, if you look well, at their, their numbers, yeah, they're more of kind of middle. You know they're around I think, you know tenth in goals allowed and and uh, and and twelfth in terms of goals scored where. The Sharks are much more potent in terms of scoring goals, but have struggled keeping the puck out of the net. Obviously, the Sharks have home ice. They've been a very good home team this year and in past seasons. Knights have been, you know, a 500 team uh, on the road this year. Uh, to me, that, you know, that really comes into play, you know, more so if we get to a game seven. Um, but, look, this is, this is a, a heck of a series, and, Pretty evenly matched, in my opinion. You can go either way. Uh, uh, but, you know, how do you see it? Well, I think if the Knights get one of the first two games, it, it's probably a five, six-game series. If they have to battle back from a 2 nothing deficit, it, if they can get to Martin Jones, as they have shown they've been able to do, I think that it'll be a long series and they might have to go game seven on the road. But I, I like the Knights to come out and jump jump on them in game one. And I think it'll be Knights on home ice in game six to close the series out. Yeah, I'm going to go a little bit different. I mean, I'm Game five? Game five. No, I'm going to go seven. I think they close it out at home. Me, You're going to go seven? Yeah, I, I think this is going to go the max. I think the Knights are capable of winning a game seven on the road uh, with their lineup. But, uh, um, you know, to me, at the end of the day, trying to figure out, you know, this series, um, you know, do I want, you know, I, I'm a huge Martin Jones guy, but am I going to pick? Oh, yeah. I know Murray, Martin Jones well. And, um, <laughs> am I going to take Mark Andre Flory and the Knights defense or the Sharks or the Knights team defense or the Sharks and their team defense? And I got to take Flory. And the Knights team defense. I think that will win no, out in a close in a close series. You make a good point. Yeah, you make a good point when you use the phrase team defense as opposed to the defense, the, the, the defense court. Um, I think the Knights play a better two-way brand of hockey. I think they have more forwards that are able to get back with speed on the back check and, and break up the San Jose the Sharks zone entries, and I think the Knights overall are a more responsible forward core defensively, and, and the Knights' fourth line is amazing at, at driving play in, into the 
you know, the offensive zone and, and keeping it there, cycling the puck, winning the puck battles along the boards. And I think that'll take a toll on, you know, some of the older charge forwards. They're not going to be able to, to bang and keep up with the Golden Knights. So I, th- I think, I, th- I think if they get game one, five game series, if they have to come back, probably seven game series, but I still like the Knights to win. Yeah, but I still think, like, in these kind of series, with the, you know, both teams are capable. They know each other well. They're capable of winning away. I mean, when, it wouldn't surprise yeah. me in the least. I don't think that if the Knights get a game, you know, in San Jose in games one or two. But then, conversely, I think the, the Sharks will be able to uh, get a game back. So, I, I mean, to me, um, I think this is going to be a 2-2 series going into game five. So, um, that's how I kind of see it. But, um, you know, it it, it will – it will be a fun one. Both, like you said, both teams struggled down the stretch. I guess, you know, everyone's zero and zero come next week in terms of the teams in the playoffs. So, um, yeah, there you, you know, go. But, you know, the Sharks, Sharks are, you know, <laughs> dangerous. I mean, obviously they still have Pavelski and Hurdle and Cordier, but, you know, guys like, you know, Timo Meyer and then, and then their other players, uh, the other Carlson, Sorensen, Donsky, <laughs> LeBlanc, you know, obviously they still have Joe Thornton and the Vander Kane. So they, they, you know, they can get goals from a lot of different places, um, which is which is funny. We think of, we've thought, you think of the Sharks the last couple of years, and you think of them as a team who has been a top team, but can they score enough? Well, that's not the problem now, but other things are leaking, uh, you know, for them. But you know, like I said, it'll be an interesting series for sure, uh, and you know, I'm looking uh, I'm looking forward to it. That, that's for certain. It'll be very entertaining. For sure, and as we as we go into tonight, um, there's still so much to be divided, decided, um, in in both the West and the East. And I, I know this wasn't on our uh, agenda here, but Chris Chris Wassel is going to join us in a little bit, Bunch for Dauber Prospects, and and we're going to look at the Atlantic Division. But I wanted I wanted to look real quick at the Central Division, where three teams can still win the division. Um, St. Louis could go from winning the division and hosting the number number two wild card to opening on the road in either Winnipeg or Nashville. Um, what are your thoughts on how the Central may break down tonight before we get over to the Boston Toronto series? I think Nashville's going to take care of business uh, tonight. Uh, they play Chicago. There's a lot on, line, on the line for Nashville that could be the the two seed, so I, I think they're, I think they're going to take care of business and win tonight. And I think the same for Winnipeg, who those teams control their own fate in terms of the seeding, and Winnipeg's going to do what they have to do. Uh, so both have uh, home ice in the first in the first round. So you're looking at Calgary, Colorado. You think Nashville holds serve and holds well, no, the first Colorado round series against Dallas? Dallas? You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, Colorado. Colorado. Yeah, they're only one point behind um, Dallas. Dallas. Yeah. How do you think that shakes out? I don't. You know, it's hard to say. You know, you watch these games. You know, these teams, and uh, I've done it from an Islander perspective. They've played a couple of teams along the way where their season's over. I even watched the game last night. the third period or the, the second half of the game between Columbus and the Rangers, and the Rangers had nothing to play for. Yeah, You know, it's, those teams are dangerous. They're playing free and easy, and 
They want to finish off on the right note. Uh, they want to impress their organizations. They might want to pump up their numbers for a contract or, uh, you know, to, to finish their season. So those teams can be kind of dangerous if you let them kind of hang around and you're in a nail-biter. I mean, you know, these teams, you know, you know I know this, but not to get on because you can do a whole podcast on this in terms of tanking, but for the most yeah. part, other than the team, uh, other than the Sabres who won the other night, um, you know, all these other teams, they might, you know, they've played hard down the stretch. You know, uh, for instance, the Rangers, you know, they bit St. Louis. And, yeah. uh, of course, them uh, two, well. two points. Yeah, so um, it's very hard to say. Obviously, Colorado and Dallas are good teams, but they're not they're not automatic teams. So, look, we the only the only series we know for sure going into the last day is obviously the Sharks and the Knights and Toronto and Boston. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's look at Toronto and Boston right now. I'm looking at it. Uh, Lightning's up four two on Boston, but it's kind of Lightning is going to set the regular season wins record with a win today. So they're Seven minutes left in the third period. They're up four to two. Um, Toronto and Boston again in the first round. A lot of people use this series as a uh, a lightning rod for the current playoff format, where one good team is going home. But I mean, if the Central changes positions at all, you could have Nashville and Winnipeg playing each other in the first round, depending on how the games go tonight. So it's another series where people would kind of say, well, Nashville and Winnipeg should at least be the second-round series, right? So, Toronto and Boston, what say you on that? Toronto, Toronto, another team not really lighting the world on fire on their way on their way into the playoffs, sir. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm, I'm trying, you know, everyone's going to call me biased because I'm not the biggest of Toronto fans for a variety of reasons, but um, look, I'll, I'll say I mean, obviously, Toronto's very explosive. They can cause a lot of damage. Uh, you know, the Bears had a tremendous season. Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, and there's a bunch of other guys that, you know, happen in Johansson, so on and so forth. Morgan Riley. But to me, Morgan Riley's had a fantastic these, season. Yeah. To me, when I look at these two teams, it really comes down to Boston's just the more complete team and the better team. You know, they're they're much better in their own end. They play much better. They have a much better uh, defense in terms of the blue line and in terms of overall team defense. Um, uh, I know you kind of give it a wash. I think in past conversations we've talked about you've given it a wash, but I think um, I'll take Tuka Rask uh, over Anderson. Not that Anderson's not capable of winning playoff series. He is. You know, the ball, you know as much as we talk about how uh, powerful and explosive Toronto is, you know, Let's not put go to sleep on Boston. I mean, Marshawn had a hundred point season. Pasternak is explosive. You know, Bergeron, arguably one of the best two way players in the game. Debrus, Krejci. So, and then they have a power play that's uh, that's lethal. Um, you know, that's going to be to me a big key in the series of how Toronto does against the Boston power play, which is I think the third best power play in the league, around close to twenty five percent, and how many sure. and how many opportunities they give them. And then Boston has home ice, so which came in hand last year when these two teams played in the first round and uh, won in game seven. So, look, I mean, clearly, you know, Toronto is capable of beating them. Um, but um, to me, you add all that up, it's hard for me not to think, think Boston's not going to win the series. I mean, granted, I think Toronto will make this a lengthy one. I, I mean, I, I think, you know, I think Bo- – and 
I think Boston will win it, though, in probably six games. Yeah, I find it a hard time uh, contradicting anything you just said. Um, I, I think they're the deeper team. I think they play a, a more of a playoff brand of hockey. I think they're more than willing to be physical. Um, their their penalty kills middle of the pack at sixty. I'm talking about Toronto. Um, if, if, if they're in the box too much, and I think they might be, it's going to be really hard to shut down that Bruins power play. I think that's going to be a big key to the series. Um, the Bruins penalty kills right there with them. They're 16-17 at 80.3, 80.2, flip a coin, whatever. Um, but with, with Boston being a number three power play team, I think special teams is going to have a lot to do with that. It's, if Toronto is going to have a chance in the series, they have to stay out of the penalty box. Um, if they're taking, if they're giving up power plays and, you know, grabbing and hooking and holding and trying to uh, slow down that first line of, of, the, of the Bruins, then I think they're going to have a real tough time in the series. And I, and I agree with you. I think Boston has to get the edge. And, and you said earlier about the Golden Knights, I think Boston may play some of the best team defense in, in the entire league. And going even further in the Eastern Conference, <clears throat> maybe the defending Stanley Cup champion, Washington Capitals, uh, Boston may be a team to give Tampa uh, what have you, at, le- at least challenge them here in the playoffs. And I think Boston also has the element, you know, they have some big players on there, starting with Sedinio, Charon, Brandon Carlo, um, to get physical. And uh, and that's not really Toronto's game as well. So, um, and Boston has a nice blend of veterans and and young players, too. So, I, I look, again, it would not surprise me if Toronto, because, again, they are explosive, um, you know, but uh, – uh, that they could win the series, but uh, I'm going to go with the Bruins. As, you know what? As long as there's no licking in the series, I'll be a happy guy. It might be. It should be a fun series. It might be. Oh, that, and that's another lick. aspect is Pasternak is the biggest pest going. So he's, he can, he's capable of getting under people's skin. So uh, keep Marshawn. that on. Oh, excuse Yeah, me, a little ball Thank of hate you, there. Yeah, a little ball of yeah. hate there in Brad Marsh on them. I don't want to see any licking. We had licking last year. I don't want to see any licking in the playoffs. Uh, so yeah, we're waiting on our guest. Chris Wassel to join us. Um, you can follow Chris on Twitter at Chris Wassel DFS. He's, he's a host at Fantasy X and he writes for a bunch of different hockey sites, Dauber Prospects, Fantasy Data, and uh, he's part of my NHL trade rumors as well. Um, we might want to kick into the segment a little bit um, while we wait for Chris to join us. How do you see? Let's let's talk about your Islanders a little bit since you're well versed in the Islanders. Um, what? Uh, no one saw this being a hundred point team, obviously, to start the season. Um, I love the we don't need you chance raining down. They do they do get to uh 
play their first round series in Nassau Coliseum, which I think is a big, a big well, that, yeah, thing for them and point. the fan base. They need one. Oh yes, I thought you meant home ice. Yes, that's correct. Uh, yeah, um, no, just the fact that you know home ice or not will be played with Nassau Coliseum. That's got to energize the fan base up there, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, it's a. You know, it's funny. They wind up having roughly the same record at the Coliseum uh, as they did in Brooklyn, but there is a difference. There is an energy. Obviously, that place will be on fire uh, with the uh, with the games at the Coliseum. If the Islanders can get one point in tonight's game against the Caps, uh, they're assured of having home ice for the first round. What's the tiebreaker with Pittsburgh that if the Islanders lose, Pittsburgh wins? Pittsburgh would flip flop into the the two seed. What's the what's the tiebreaker? Or the R O W. It would be it would be R O W, right? Because they're both at forty two yeah. wins right now. Correct. Okay, yeah. so, so one, one point puts them puts them at home. One point puts them at home. And then Carolina and Columbus can still uh, swap places tonight Not, as well. Right. Well, Columbus can fall to. Uh, um, Columbus uh, can fall to the um, second, second wild, wild card. card. They're in the second wild card right now. Or yeah. they could they can go, they can wind up. Well, they can go to the third spot in the in the metro. If they win and the uh, and the Penguins lose in regulation, uh, they would play the Islanders in uh, in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, there's still a lot to look at. That's Car- Carolina's in the number one. Wild card spot with 97 points. Columbus has 96. So Carolina could flip-flop into a series with New York. How fun would that be? Two teams no one really thought would even be in the playoffs uh, meeting in the first round. And Pittsburgh could actually fall to the wild card spot and have to play Washington in the first round. How awesome would that be? Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, the Rangers played a tough game last night against Columbus. I don't know, you know, what they're going to (laughs) have. I'm sure they'll be trying yeah. hard, but it's, I don't think it's a good matchup. Uh, the Islanders need to get a point tonight. Um, I, I, I would be surprised if it's not Islander-Pittsburgh. Carolina is playing uh, playing Philly. They're going to be very motivated because I'm sure, even though that Washington is no day at the beach, they're going to want to avoid Tampa. And um, if they if they win, they're assured of that. And, you know, that would leave Columbus uh, uh, playing Tampa in the first round. Well, let me welcome in Chris Wassel to the show. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris Wassel, W-A-S-S-E-L-L-D-F-S. <laughs> Excuse me, on Twitter. He's a big fantasy hockey guy. Um, writes for Dauber Prospects and my NHL trade rumors. I think that's new since the last time that we talked to you, Chris. Chris, how are you today, sir? I'm doing very good, guys. How are you doing? We're very good. Thank you once again. Chris always been a good friend of the show coming in. Uh, whenever we need him on, on drafts or or trade rumors or anything like that. So it's good to have Chris back on again. Let's jump right into it. Um, Washington Capitals, how big of a favorite are them to get right back into the Eastern Conference Finals right now, in your opinion? Not as big as about two weeks ago. Um, it, it's, go, it's going to be intriguing to see how – the small sample size of Nick Jensen and John Carlson works throughout the playoffs. That is, that is the pairing that Todd Rudin seems to have envisioned to get him through um, 
the, the Stanley Cup playoffs to shelter Carlson, allow Carlson to be the offensive player that he that he was last year. Uh, since he does not have the services of Michael Kentney, who literally blew out his hamstring uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, Kentney you may not see till October. That, that's how. That's actually how yeah, that's he blew not, it out. He was act, he was big against the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, pe- people underestimate the impact of that trade, but they they don't any especially now. Uh, but uh, either way, it's not quite the same Washington team. Obviously. Defensively, they give up a ton of scoring chances down the middle. Um, offensively, still basically the still basically the same thing. That's the that's the one good staple of Washington. They, they are going to be able to outscore some teams. Um, could that get them through the first round or two? Absolutely. Does that get them past yeah, Tampa? Sure, we were just. Uh, mm-hmm. We don't know. Uh, we were just talking about how crazy it is in both the West and the East, specifically the Metro and the Central, with just ex- how much is still up for grabs. And, and I mean, Carolina yeah, we don't can, know. can jump up. We we really don't know too much about these matchups. But I'm I'm going to bring in Chris because I know he wants to get your opinion. If Islanders hold hold serve and they get at least a point tonight, they're going to host their first round series up the Nassau Coliseum. And uh, I'm going to let Chris jump in with some Islanders talk and finish off what we were talking before you joined the show. Chris? Excellent. Yeah, hey, Chris, great to have you back on the show. So, uh, you know, obviously the Islanders and uh, probably the one of the, probably the biggest Cinderella story of the, of the regular season. I think uh, if you looked at any of uh, the prognosticators to any, any major website, everyone had them as a bottom five team, and I can't blame them. Um, but can this – can the Cinderella story continue in the playoffs? The, the Islanders, for them at least, it, it's it's matchup centric for them. Um, this is this is really going to be something where if they get the right matchup and it, and they time it right, yeah, they can make they can make a decent run. I mean, this look, this is this is a and we and I hate to say it, but it is true. This is a souped-up version of the 2014-2015 Devils, basically. Yeah, uh, you, you have a you have a couple you have a couple high-end players. You have a bunch of middle-of-the-road players that that have bought into a system extremely well, and you have the goaltending. When you have when you have that goaltending construct like you do with the Islanders, and you have a few guys that have played well above their defensive means. You get a 95 to 100 point team like like the Islanders right now, and when you can play defense and have goaltending like they do, they can stop teams cold. I mean, they can stop the Pittsburgh cold. Um, it, it's been it's been seen before. Pittsburgh is a bol- is a vulnerable team if they don't if they don't turn it on early in the series, and that's kind of the matchup that about two weeks ago when we started projecting through. That was the matchup. I thought that was the one that was the, that, that was their sweet spot. Uh, I'd be more a little bit more worried if they wound up playing Washington, uh, but not terribly. And it, look, there is so much with this, and I kind of like last kind of like last year. The last two nights of the season were much the same way. Um, it, it, although the top eight seeds were settled here earlier. Um, there was much intrigue as to who would face who, and 
Of course, the Devils did what they did and wound up getting snowballed because of it. They didn't want to play Columbus. They wound up playing Tampa and got smoked anyway. Uh, so with the teams playing at the same time, Chris, at least we're not going to have that worry of, you know, it's like, well, is one team going to kind of look at the scoreboard and go, hmm, well, you know, we might want to mail it in here. You're not going to have any of that tonight. So that's always good. Now, Chris, how how um how dangerous are the Penguins? Obviously, you know you have Crosby. I'm sure Malkin will be back next week. You have Kessel. You got a, you got this mileage on some of those bodies from their Cup runs. But how do you see the Penguins? How how dangerous are they? And and can they get out of this bracket and get to the Eastern Conference Finals? That's the thing. Any any one any one of these teams from the Metro can potentially get it can potentially win it. And that adds to the intrigue from the division alone. Carolina could get Carolina could even. They could make it out uh, out of out of this bracket. Pittsburgh Pittsburgh with the second half goaltender Matt Matt Murray's been one of the best goaltenders in the league over the last, the last three months. And gone considerably under the radar, mostly because of ironically Lamer and Grice from, from the Islanders. Nobody really noticed how well Matt Murray's played because he played so poorly through the first two months. Uh, battling, you know, first he was battling the groin injury, then suddenly his gloves started to fail him all over the place. And and this this is a this is a guy that can turn it on. I mean, look, played up, he played unbelievable when he had to in the two cup runs. Missed some of them, obviously, to injury, and that's always that's always an interesting byline with Matt Murray. Make sure Matt Murray gets through the first game warm-up uh, before, uh, you know. <laughs> look, it's happened twice. You know, once was enough, but twice, you know, something else. And then there was, you know, the third, you know, the third year people forget he got hurt the game before the playoffs warming up, you know, and, and then got hit the second time and wound up having to miss a portion of, of that, that playoff run as well. I, I think a lot um, – I think a lot's going to depend on the health of Chris Letang, especially in the first round series. He missed some time, right. <laughs> excuse me, and then he came back, came back for one game, and then he's missed three or four rushed games. He did come back, rushed it a little, had to take some more time off. <laughs> he's had such a great season. <clears throat> he's the straw that stirs the drink, pushing the puck on that defense. I mean, I'm Captain Obvious here, but if he's not 100%, I wonder how the the Pittsburgh offensive machine and how fluid it can be if he's not able to do the things that Chris Letang does. It, it has more of an impact this year just because Justin Schultz hasn't been as healthy either. And look, at one point, the Penguins, kind of like the Winnipeg Jets out west, had four of their top six guys out at, at the same time. And people will say, oh, it doesn't have that much of an effect. You look at what what's does. happened to Winnipeg over the past few months. It has a huge effect. I mean, Winnipeg can't make a breakout pass out of the goddamn defensive zone without having a problem now. I mean, they yes. they look like the Winnipeg from two years ago with Andre Pavlich in net, and they couldn't literally like move A to B. Um, yeah, and that's what I happens agree. with I think Pittsburgh Winnipeg sometimes. In trouble. You know, when yeah, when, 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 when they when get, when they get in trouble, like it's the same problem. Yep. Yep, I. I agree completely. Well, here's my wish list for tonight. I want the Islanders to get their point and and host yep. the first round series, and I want Carolina to win and Pittsburgh to lose. If 
because you'll have the two Cinderella stories, and that's great for everybody to talk about, right? You'll have Carolina facing New York, and then you'll have Washington and Pittsburgh in the first round. And so you'll guarantee one of the, quote, Cinderella teams uh, playing for a berth in the Eastern Conference Final. And I think think that would be a great storyline. Um, the other storyline, and it's been evolving since the trade deadline, is the Columbus Blue Jackets. And the, the no question, Kekalainen went all in. Um, they have two draft picks in the upcoming draft, the four major free agents that could bolt at the end of the season. No, no, uh, no way to replenish the nest, if you will. It, and for a while, it didn't look like they were even going to make the playoffs. Well, they did get their they did get their playoff berth. They're in. Um, it, how important is it for Kekalainen and himself for this team to make some noise? And if it ends up tonight, the way it could, they're I mean, they got Toronto, <laughs> uh, or not Toronto, Tampa Bay. I'm sorry. Um, it, can they can they give it a matchup in the first round with <laughs> with Tampa? They they can they can give it a go unlike unlike most teams. Um, they they have a style that does infuriate Tampa Bay a little, but over the course of a seven game series, Tampa has just has two. Tampa just has a ridiculous amount of talent, and when and when push comes to shove, well, hey, you know what? I mean, Tampa Tampa can push you around a little bit too. Uh, we we saw that yes, last year in the playoffs, and. You know, now, now with the emergence of uh, Eric Cernak, who is just a big, bruising defenseman with a huge shot. Uh, I watched it today. He, uh, he, he went toe-to-toe a few times with Dinan Chara and didn't look in the least bit phased, which that doesn't happen. I mean, look, Dinan Chara is 464 years old, but he's an imposing figure. <laughs> in a, in a, he in can still ragdoll you. Yes, yeah, oh, sir. He, he just, one of one, – I, I think I think Chara in, in, in any era could fight just because he ha- has one of the best reaches I've ever seen. He he has a he has a left he has a left hook and a jab that I don't I don't think I've seen in, in the in the modern era. Uh, aside from maybe maybe a Tony Twist. And the, the irony is Twist hardly ever used it, but when he did, it was one of the most effective punches he had. We had Russ Cohen on a few weeks ago, and he gave me a stat on Bobrovsky. And I know he's a two-time Vezina Trophy winner, um, but obviously they've never won a playoff series. Yep. Sergei Bobrovsky has never allowed fewer than three goals in any playoff Nicole. game that he's played in. And if you're going to be doing that in that first-round series, how big how big of a, of a problem is this going to be if – this is just a quick four or five game series, and and Columbus is out. Is is Kekalainen in jeopardy? You know, at this point, you can't, the, he's done everything that he he can to get this team in the playoffs, and they got in the playoffs. Do they do they yeah. need to win a round? It's it's a look. Let's be honest. They get Tampa. I mean, you're not going to expect them to win a round. If they win they win two or three games, that's an, that's an accomplishment for them. Now, is he in jeopardy right now? No. Are they going to lose everybody to free agency? That's extremely possible. I mean, that's 50-50 at this I point. I think they so, could too. lose all four, four guys. I mean, I, I'm I starting so to too. tilt it even more. 
um, and, and some of my projection pieces are right. Look at how scary it is. We're already talking about free agency in April because the, 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 the cycle keeps going constantly. Now, Bobrovsky's biggest problem in the playoffs, and we, we've noticed this. Uh, it's funny because you mentioned Russ. Russ and I were even talking about this. Mental fortitude is not a strong point of Bobrovsky at times. It seems in the, in the crucial moments. And why that is, there's no particular reason for it. But it's there. And you could see it in, in the Pittsburgh series a couple of years ago. You could see it in the Washington series last year. The same thing. It seemed like no matter how much Columbus got ahead, no lead was safe. And when your team is blowing two and three goal leads like it's candy, and a lot of that's on your goaltending, yeah. that's a huge problem. doesn't bode well and against Tampa good. Bay, that's for sure. No, and you, and you, look, we saw we saw it today. A good example, and it wasn't even Tampa's full squad. I mean, Boston went up two nothing pretty fast, and the final was six to three Tampa. I mean, <laughs> that's it. The other thing, um, I mean, the, all, what they want to hope for is obviously they pass Carolina. Carolina loses, they win. They jump into that number two seed. They get a chance at Washington which, let's face it, they had Washington on the ropes last season in the playoffs. They're up 2 nothing at home in double overtime, and they're a post away from going 3 nothing up against a team that eventually yeah. won the Stanley Cup. So that had to have left that bad taste in your mouth is going on a losing four straight in that series. So if they do get that Washington matchup, then I kind of like the, uh, you know, the intangible of, man, we blew this last year. We're not doing it again. We had this team. And, and the, the, you know, that gives a squad something to rally around. So, I, I mean, that's best-case scenario for Columbus, obviously. Let me bring in Chris. He's going to finish up with the New Jersey Devils. Chris? Yeah, because, yeah, you know, Chris uh, has been covering the Devils for quite some time. It's, it's great. He knows his team inside and out. And I know they're not making the postseason, but to me there's a couple of key points I want to hit on him with him. And that is, one, you know, following this team from a close – uh, from afar, but not too too afar, being out here in Long Island, Chris. Uh, this team desperately needs a dynamic, another dynamic scorer, playmaker, top forward. And I just think I, 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 they're at the mercy of the ping pong balls come Tuesday night. But if there's a team that desperately needs to get, if not in the one spot, but in the two spots so they can get uh, Kako, uh, at least it's got to be the Devils. Uh, w- would you agree with that? Or um... they need something. I mean, look. Uh, other than the other than some of the obvious personnel decisions that they seem to refuse to make, um, the it, it, look. It's look, I, I can't I can't sugarcoat it. It's extremely frustrating to watch your team just completely self destruct. Um, and, and not just because of injuries, but because of just poor personnel decisions from top to bottom. Uh, now, do they do they need they need a playmaker? But they most importantly just they need a lot. And <laughs> at least pr- prospect wise, it's getting a little bit better where they're starting to develop guys. It does not hurt that Jeremy Davies signed with the Devils this week, uh, that was a major concern for, for, for Devils fans because, look, honestly, 
with our track record sometimes with signing free agents and, and guys that are coming from college, it has not been good, especially over the last five to ten seasons. So that that was big. Um, next year, next year, obviously, Ty, Ty, with Ty Smith and, and how he develops, he probably needs it. He probably needs another year at least, uh, whether it's in the OHL and then the AHL or the AHL straight. That, that remains to be seen. But interestingly then, enough, good. Interestingly enough, with the Devils, right right now as of, as of this moment, and this is this is the way the the, 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 the it's funny. I I ran I run the ping pong balls at least once a day just just for fun. Um, there's there's a few interesting wrinkles with some of them with the mocks, but one 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 keeps focusing on the Devils taking Vasily Pazakin from Russia. Um, and I, I'm hmm. hoping to God that's not the case. I, I, I like the kid. He's, he, you know, he's, he, he's got a ton of skill, but no, 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 no. If we don't get basically, the Devils don't don't wind up at one or two. Uh, I'm looking. To, I'm looking down at either uh, Bow and Byram because the Devils need need high end defense desperately. You can never have enough defense, and as as the Devils organization found out the hard way after the you know, mid and late 2000s. Um, and then if you go down the line, there's, you know, there's, there's, you know, Alex Turcotte and Dylan Cousins. Depending on, on your mock to go anywhere from, again, four to around eight. And yeah, getting, getting, you know, wrapping around what prospects in particular the Devils need the Devils obviously have a hole, several holes at Ford as far as, as scoring. That's the biggest part. They have the huge, they have the huge, you know, top line hole. And and so just around, one, well. one last one for you, one last one for you, Chris, mm-hmm. and uh, yep. and that's Taylor Hall. Obviously, I mean, when he's played this year, he's produced over a point a game. Yep. Um, he's only played in, I think, around 33 games or so. Um, he's got one, he's yes. one more year to go. Uh, he's signed for one more year. The Devils can sign him to an extension uh, uh, on July 1. Um, assuming that his body is intact and it's just one of those years, uh, I would think they, they desperately need to sign him. If he's not ready to sign, how, how do the Devils handle that? Where are we with this whole thing with Taylor Hall? And the devil. We're we're still in the relatively beginning stages of all this. Everything from the the functions that he's been at, the body language seems to indicate that he wants to stay in New Jersey. Now, what is that magic dollar amount that's going to take? It could be ten to eleven million, you know, average annual value. That's about in the ballpark. The only question really is: Is it going to be a five-year deal? Or is it going to be the max eight-year deal? It, it seems like it's going to be one or the other at this point. Um, does he want to go max, or does he want to go five years? Because five years is going to be the, is going to eventually be the trend. You see these mid mid contracts. Um, you know the Austin Matthews of the world eventually, and such. You're going to see a lot of these in the NHL because teams are going to be like, well, we don't want to go full max. Because we see how long the contract's going to last. At 32, 33, we'll evaluate and we can scale down the contract. 
And I think that may be what happens with Hall. You might find him like a five-year, fifty-five million dollar deal with a considerable amount of signing bonuses uh, tag- tagged on. Especially given the direction that the Devils seem to be going, he 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 looks genuinely um, engaged as far as, far as the direction. The development of Mackenzie Blackwood has been almost supernova-like over the past 15 months. Uh, he went from a guy who basically couldn't move laterally and scrambled and now is a pretty good top-flight, I would say, has the potential to be a top-flight goalie in the National Hockey League in one to two seasons. That's, that's a huge bound in development and a huge development for the Devils. That, that bodes well. They're, now they're allowed to focus on other positions, especially defense, obviously, develop their defense develop a first and second line left winger in particular to you know complement and have insurance in case Taylor Hall should be injured again. And when you have depth that's allowed to move down, that'll help Paul as far as his decision making. All right, Chris, we're All right, to Chris. let you go. We're running short on time. Thank you so much for joining the Vegas Hockey Podcast today. Everybody follow Chris on Twitter at Chris Wassel, W-A-S-S-E-L-L-D-F-S. For all of his all of his prospect content, his New Jersey Devils content, his fantasy sports as well. Chris, thanks again, buddy. You've always been a good friend of the show, and we'll definitely have you back as soon as we can. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. You have a good good afternoon as always. All right, thanks, all right. Chris. Thank you, sir. All right. Well, we're going to get to the OT section here. Um, we got a Cody Glass yeah, article. I, Chris wants to get you. Yeah, I. I uh, the Hockey News Future Watch issue, which is one of the two issues that I make sure I get, uh, that and the draft issue, um, came out last week. Uh, they had their top 100 prospects. Cody Glass winded, winded up as the third best prospect in the, spo- in the sport. Um, you know, there's, there's work to be done after him. like to see the cupboard a little bit more full than it is, but we'll save that for another day. But it's an article, I, there's a feature article on Cody Glass in the issue. And, you know, the kid, the kid has been through a lot. I mean, he's had to grow up yeah. fast. Um, and he seems like he has a great head on his shoulders. It feels like the sky's the limit for him. He, he really has a chance to be, you know, at least a first-line player. The Vegas has taken the right approach with him. They're not rushing him. I'm sure they will not rush him. Next year as well, uh, if he's ready in October, great. If it takes more time, it takes more time. And but it, yeah. it, it, you know, like I said, it was it was one uh, good to see how highly regarded he was uh, in terms of <coughs> on the prospect list. And uh, I really a combination uh, felt for the kid uh, for everything he's had to deal with with family stuff uh, and different on uh, very serious stuff on different levels. To admiring him as well, so a uh, very impressive young uh, young guy. Yeah, for sure. When you go through some of the things, and if anybody hasn't uh, had a chance to check that out, I, I would highly recommend it if you're a Vegas Golden Knights fan because there's a lot of a lot of backstory to Cody Glass that doesn't really get that much run. And when you go through those kinds of things, you get that uh, you get a perspective on on life or at an early age. Um, and he's he's. You know, he's, all of his coaches and everybody and all of his, his perspectives and everything, they always talk about his, his hockey IQ and he's mature beyond his years. 
And a lot of that goes into what he's been through as just a human being. And, and after you read that, you can't help but root even more for the guy. So it def- definitely check the article out. And, and I think we've talked about the salary cap issues with the Golden Knights and what they're going to do in the offseason. I think there's a better than average chance that he starts the year next season, possibly as the third line center, depending on what they have to do with the cap. So uh, that's going to do it for this week, Chris. I got to run inside and get back to work. No worries. All right, so next week we'll be back and we'll have Russ Cohen on, who's not not only just going to sneak peek the draft for us, but because the lottery is so early this year, this Tuesday night, uh, i.e., all you Kinks fans out there, you Mark JD, uh, we'll we'll uh, obviously be able to not just talk about some players and where they'll fall, but also about teams as well. So looking forward to that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Very much for Chris. I am Mark, and I just lost my studio. So for Chris, I'm Mark. We're gone.